you, Jesus. It's a beautiful morning, amen? Good morning. Uh, today we are starting a brand new series, and last month we were talking about the renewal of the mind, amen? And we concluded that, we've been talking about it, I think, for the past six weeks, and we concluded that last week. Today we are looking at something else different, so let's get you started. Hold your Bible in your hand, lift it up, and with confidence, this is my Bible. I believe what he says I am. I can do what he says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter, a doer, not just a hearer. Today, I will learn from God's word and my life will never be the same because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. Today we're starting a brand new series, and I've called this series the Toolbox. So there's some, you know, revelations that God has given me over the years that we have not developed into a full-on series to teach over four weeks that I believe every believer should have in their toolbox. Amen? A toolbox works like this, you know. When you have a problem, you go and get a, a, a tool that fits the problem that you are faced with, and you kind of just, you know, put it in there and it works magic. Amen? So this is what this series will do. It's a series of teachings that will enable you to fix life problems. Amen? Amen. And today we are talking about accessing His grace. Accessing His grace. I believe a lot of uh, the church are stuck at a place of, you know, I'm saved and that's it. Yet God is more for them. He wants them to experience the fullness of His glory. But most of the church, I can guarantee you, close to 95% of the church have not experienced God's blessing and God's glory the way that they should. Amen? Amen. And those that are experiencing it are only experiencing it to a measure. Because we have not mastered the, the, the principles around accessing His full grace. Hallelujah. Let's go to Ephesians chapter number 2 from verse 4 to 10. Ephesians chapter number 2, better known as 2nd, from verse 4 to 10. Watch what it says. It says, but God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us. Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace you are saved. And has raised us up together and made us sit together, watch this, in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages or in the dispensation to come, he might show the exceeding, what? Riches of His grace. His grace is full of riches. Amen? And in His kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. Verse 8. For by grace are you saved through faith. And not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not of works. Let any man should boast. For we are His workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has ordained before that we should walk in them. Now I want you to go back to verse 8. I'm going to read again, verse 8. It says, For by grace 
Are you saved through what? I didn't hear that. He says, by grace are you saved through faith. And I want to submit to you this morning that grace is on God's side of the ledger. Grace is what God has done for you without your cooperation. Grace is, 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 is uh, the unmerited favor of God. I mean, God loved you while you were yet dead in your sins. God loved you while you were yet sinners. Christ died for you. Amen? But grace alone does not save you. Or grace alone does not bring you into the full manifestation of God's glory. It's on God's side of the ledger. It works this way. For are we saved by what? Grace through faith. Amen? In other words, there has to be a combination of the two. Grace alone is not going to do anything for you. You have to activate your faith to step into His grace. And I believe this is where most grace teachers have missed it. They've just taught what has happened on God's side of the ledger and not told us what we need to do to access the full-on grace of God. Amen? It says, for by grace are you saved through faith. Grace is what God has done for you and me without our cooperation. Faith is our response to that. Jesus Christ died for the whole world. Did you know that? Everybody. Jesus died for everyone. In fact, let's go to Titus chapter number 2 verse 11. So grace alone does not save you. Grace alone does not heal you. Grace alone does not prosper you. Amen. The combination is grace through faith. Hallelujah. Titus chapter number 2 verse 11. Watch what it says. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to how many? I didn't hear that. How come not all men are saved? The grace of God that brings men to salvation has been offered to all men. Just like the grace of God that brings prosperity, it has been offered to everyone. Just like the grace of God that brings healing, it has been offered to everyone. But how come everyone is not saved? Because not everyone has responded to the grace of God through faith. The Bible says in Romans chapter number 10, verse 10, we have believed in our heart and confessed with our mouth, therefore are we saved. So in other words, there has to be a response to the grace of God. Grace alone will not save you. In fact, grace alone is dangerous. (laughs) Faith alone will not save you. In fact, faith alone is dangerous. It has to be a combination of grace through faith. In fact, I know a lot of my friends who just talk about grace all the time. Just grace, grace, grace. And what are they doing? They're talking about what God has done. God has done. God has done for them all of the time. And you know what it does? It makes them not want to do anything and not just do anything. I don't need to pray. I don't need to, you know, fast. I don't need to read my Bible. You know what? After all, God has done everything by grace, which is true, but it's half truth. God has done everything by grace, but you will not access it by just knowing what God has done by grace. You have to take steps of faith to the place of grace. Hallelujah. In fact, every instruction that God has given to the church 
in His Word is a grace instruction. When God gives you an instruction to give, it is so that you can access the grace of prosperity. When God gives you an instruction to get up and walk, getting up and walking is an act of faith. Did you know that? (laughs) When God, when Jesus gave the instruction to the lepers to go and show themselves to the priests, that was an, it's, it's a grace instruction because embedded in that grace instruction is the power of God to heal you. So if you don't act on that instruction, God has provided it by grace, but it will never manifest in your life. You see the connection? Can you see it? Amen. Let's go now to uh, Romans chapter number 5 from verse 1 to 2. Oh man, this is good stuff. We're going to read Romans chapter number 5 from verse 1 to 2. Okay? Watch what it says. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Next verse. Through whom we have what? I didn't hear that. See, when you go to your uh, ATM machine and you put in your PIN number, 3784. Oh man, I shouldn't have told you that. 3784, okay. When you punch that in, you have access to whatever is in your account, right? So, the 3412, I've changed it, is your password. Grace, in this instance, is this one big ATM machine that's loaded with God's unmerited favor. And the way to access that bank account, he tells you, through whom? Also, we have access by what? By 3712. And the 3712 is your faith. Without faith, there is no access. So you could come to the ATM machine. And how sad it is that every Sunday, people are coming to the ATM machine and just standing there. And not punching anything. You know why? Because they don't want to act on their faith. You know, just come in there and the pastor preaches a powerful sermon that, that gives you access into uh, uh, your prosperity. God said, man, if you give, it will come back to you. Good measure, press down, shaking together and running over. That's not going to work. That's a grace instruction. But it's not going to work until you punch in the 3712, which is your faith. Until you act it out. The only way to have access into that grace is by acting it out. When Jesus says, get up and walk. If you don't get up and walk, 3712, you haven't punched it in. Watch what it says. It says, for whom we have access by faith into His grace. The only way we have access into His grace is by faith. Faith is the password. Faith is the PIN number that gives you access into God's unlimited, unmerited favor. This is why Jesus said, be it unto you according to your faith. says, be it unto you according to your faith. Be it unto you. Man, if you can believe it, if you can conceive it in your mind, Jesus is saying, man, I won't even stop you. You know why? Because the grace of God is unlimited. 
It's, 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 it's beyond what we can ever think or imagine. And God is saying, man, I won't even stop you if you can be it unto you according to your faith. Amen? So watch what it says. Through whom also we have access by grace, in, by faith, into his grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Amen? So the password into the grace of God is faith. Without faith, you are not having any access. So faith is the key. That's why the Bible says the just shall what? Live by faith. The only way to live, the only way to access the things of God is through faith. That's just how it works. Amen? I said amen. <laughs> and the source of faith, if you're writing down uh, 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 notes, write this down. The source of faith is the Word of God. A man or a woman who values the Word of God enough to act on it will have victory, watch this, all the time. Man, if you take God's word and you value it, you will have victory all the time. Amen? There is no other way. How many want victory? Okay, here's the formula. Take God's word, value it enough to act on it. If you don't value it enough to act on it, you're going to be stuck in the same place. What do you think would have happened uh, uh, to the lepers that Jesus told to go and show themselves to the priest if they had said, man, we don't like going to show ourselves to the priest. We don't like priests and we don't like walking. <laughs> so you're going to have to change your formula and tell us something. What do you think would have happened to them? What do you think would have happened to Elijah when God gave him a grace instruction? Hey, Elijah, I've already heaped up food for you at the brook Sherry. I've commanded the ravens to heap up food for you at the brook sherry. If you go to the brook sherry, in other words, if you take steps of faith to the brook sherry, you will have provision. What do you think would have happened to Elijah standing in the city saying, man, I don't like brooks and I don't like ravens, so I'm going to stand here. <laughs> I'm not going anywhere. What do you think would have happened to Elijah? Just standing there, right? And God is busy heaping up food. And someone else would have bumped into the food at the brook sherry. I mean, God's blessing does not go to waste. There's always some crazy one who's taking a walk at the brook. Ah, oh, look at all this food. And they eat your blessing. They sit in your office. They take your job. You know why? Because they are ready to take a step of faith. Job said, I esteem your words more than my necessary food. And this is the reason why he lived a life of victory. Amen. David said, your words are like honey in my mouth. They are sweet. Jesus said, man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Man, you get faith from respecting and honoring and valuing Every word that comes out of God's mouth. And you know where that word is? It's in the Bible. There's something called the dark ages. It happened way back then, about a thousand years, where nothing happened. I mean, there's literally nothing written about those thousand years. Nothing happened. There was no uh, uh, inventions. There was no technological advancements. Nothing, no medical research for a thousand years. And you know why? 
It was simply because they had locked up the word of God in a language that common men could not understand intellectually. And they locked it up physically in monasteries. Only the priest was allowed to read God's word. And because of that, there was no enlightenment. Enlightenment. Amen? Because the Bible says the entrance of his word, it brings what? It brings light. It brings illumination. New ways of thinking. Revelations. You know, eureka moments, right? It comes through the word of God. Why? Because the word of God carries life in it. It's the seed of God that carries life in it. A man or a woman who does not value God's word can never have victory in their lives. It's impossible. You're not winning. Amen? Amen. And over here on the other side, 2017... Man, you have Bibles everywhere. You have Bibles on your phone, on your iPad, physical ones, and everywhere. And unfortunately, this has caused the church to treat the Word of God just like the thousand years of dark ages. The people that have the Word of God sitting on their laps take it for granted because it's so familiar. You know, familiarity breeds contempt. We treat it cheaply because it's so accessible, yet... We should be treating it valuable to the pursuit of our victory. Uh, Amen. Amen. I was traveling uh, 2012. My wife and I were traveling in California. We were preaching out there. And then we decided the night before we came back to South Africa, we were going to go and uh, sleep in Los Angeles because we wanted to tour all the you know, major sites in Los Angeles. So we went the night before. And the next day, man, we went to uh, Hollywood Boulevard. You know, with the stars, and we're taking photos with the stars, and we went to uh, Madame Toussaint, I think that's what it's called, where they have wax uh, uh, models of, you know, these stars and so on and so forth, and they really look real. And I was like, man, this is crazy. And we are there, and we're just enjoying and having a good time. And then 2016, last year, I went, and one of my young protégés, one of the guys that I'm mentoring, he lives out there in, in Los Angeles, he said, Did I, is it off? Did you kill my volume? Come on, keep it there. Keep it there. He said, hey, pastor, I'm going to come and get you, pick you up. We're going to come to Los Angeles. We'll watch a Lakers game, and then you can stay over at my house. So I was like, cool. So he came, picked me up, watched the Los Angeles game, went over to sleep at his house. And the next day, as he was getting ready to go for a meeting, he said, hey, is there anything else you want uh, before I go? And I said, man, I would love to go to the sites. I want to go to the stars, and I want to go to Madame Toussaint again. And uh, so I just need to know where to get the train or, you know, whichever transport that I'll use. And he said to me, oh, you're not going to have to worry about that. You know why? Because Madame Toussaint is the road that you see right next to you. So when you go and buy bread in the morning, make sure you also do the stars. Man, it just killed it for me. I was not interested anymore in Madame Toussaint and the stars. You know why? Because I was walking on it going to buy bread. Can you imagine just... And I'm seeing these tourists, you know, just taking photos. And I'm thinking, man, I've got this. I'm, I'm here for a week. I can come back and do it tomorrow. I can do it again the next day. I, can do I started treating it with contempt. You know why? Because it was familiar. Yeah. I had it all the time. And unfortunately, that's the place the church is at. Man, you have a sermon in your cell phone. You have a sermon on your CD. You have a sermon on a website. You, you, you have the Bible that talks. But how many actually... Listen to it to do it. It doesn't matter anymore. You know why? Because I have it tomorrow. 
I can read it on Wednesday. I can read it on Friday. Amen. It says of the Bereans, they would go and check the apostles' doctrines daily to see if those things were so. What did they do? They had to walk miles and miles upon miles just to read the Bible. Because there was one for every city. And they valued it. That's why they lived a life of victory. Amen? Amen. I said amen. amen. Let's go now to Romans chapter number 12. Romans chapter number 12, verse, verse 3. Romans chapter number 12, verse 3. For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Wrong translation. Go to the King James Bible. I want you to see something. Watch what it says. For I say through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God has dealt to every man, the measure of faith. Did you see that? The New King James Bible said, a measure of faith. The original King James Bible says, God has given to every man, the measure of faith. In other words, every single one of us got the same measure of faith. So no one is at a disadvantage. We all have faith. Pastor, you know, the problem is I don't have enough faith. No, God has given to every man the measure of faith. Just like my little daughter, she has all the muscles that a human being needs. But she can't bench press 100 kgs. I can. You know why? Because she hasn't been using what she has for long enough to develop it to a point to where she can lift 100 kgs on the bench press. I'm bragging in case you didn't. Amen? You know why? Because she hasn't been using it for long enough. And it's the same in the kingdom of God. Everyone has been given the measure of faith. The difference is some use what they have and others don't. And some have been using it for long enough. And they are now at a point where they can literally fight off anything. Watch this. By faith. But it starts with a headache. Amen? You have to fight that headache with faith. It starts with paying for your car bill every month. You have to fight it with faith. Not just relying on the doctors. You have to fight it with faith. And it starts there. And when the bigger ones come, you will have enough strength, enough faith muscle to fight the big ones. Hallelujah! But it's a lifestyle of faith. It's not a lifestyle of going to church. It's a lifestyle of faith. Man, I want you to come to church. You know why? Because when we are here, there is a corporate anointing. We share the word of God and we read last week in Romans chapter number 10 from verse 17 that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. How shall they hear unless someone preaches? And how shall someone preach unless they are sent? 
Amen? There's always a place for a preacher to come and stir you up so that you can have that faith. But here's the deal. If you don't use it, if you don't let God's word change your ways, guess what? You will be stuck at a place where you have no access to God's grace. Because we access His grace by faith. His grace will never change. Amen? God has already moved by grace for every need you'll ever have. But the only way to access it is by faith. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's go to first, Second Peter chapter number 1 from verse 1. Second Peter chapter number 1 verse 1. All of us have the same faith, man. This is the apostle Peter talking. Watch what he says. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained. Do you see that? He didn't say to them that are trying to obtain. Did you see that? To them that have obtained like precious faith. Which simply means to them who have obtained similar faith, which is precious. In other words, Peter is saying the same faith I obtained, you have obtained too. We all start out with the same measure of faith. The same faith that Peter used to heal people with his shadow and the handkerchiefs is resident on the inside of you. Pastor, but how come I'm not seeing people healed by my shadow? Because you're not using what you have. That's the problem with the church. We always want more. We have this consumer mentality. Lord, give me more faith. And we pray for more power, right? Yet God is saying, hey, I have already given it to you. It's like a man who has this, you know, 16-valve, supercharged car in their garage that they never use. In fact, they only rave, they only rave it. They, they go into the garage and, you know, uh, uh, turn on the ignition and when the thing starts, they get into the car and they, you know, just rave that thing. Vroom, 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 vroom. And they get out of the car and they jump and scream, Power! Power! The power! The power! And they fall under the power and pray, God, send more power! But they haven't done anything with the power that God has already given them. It's time we take that faith, that anointing, that power, and channel it towards a purpose and change people's lives. Instead of praying for more faith... Peter is saying you have obtained like precious faith. You already have it. Amen. Amen. All you need to do is to start using it. Hallelujah. Is this helping you? Let's find out how faith works. As we close. He says to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God. And our Savior, Jesus Christ. Galatians chapter number 5 from verse 5 to 6. Galatians chapter number 5 from verse 5 to 6. Don't worry about it much. Galatians chapter number 5 from verse 5 to 6. For we, through the Spirit, wait for the hope of righteousness by what? By faith. Next verse. For in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but faith, which works by what? By I didn't hear that. How does faith work? By 
You know, I drive a, a truck, and that truck doesn't work so well when I put water in the tank. <laughs> Amen? Yeah. Or when I put diesel. You know why? Because the manufacturer specified that if you are to use this truck, you're going to have to use petrol. Amen? Amen? And it's the same thing. When God gave faith, the only way to use faith is by love. And he's not talking about you loving your brother. I have to say this. A lot of church folk think, you know, faith works by love, so I have to love you so that my faith works. Okay, it has its place. But what he's talking about here is for you and me to catch the revelation of God's love for us. When you catch that revelation that God loves you, you will know that everything he's telling you to do is not to your harm. But it is to bless you. And when you have that attitude that God loves me, beyond any imagination, you will begin to have your faith work better and faster. You won't gather around with people in prayer meetings bombarding heaven. Have you ever heard those phrases? Let's bombard heaven. You know what that looks like? Looks like a God who doesn't want to bless you and you have to get together with a thousand more so you can kick the gates of heaven and force a God who does not want to bless you to bless you. But by grace, God has already blessed you. He says in Ephesians 1 verse 3, uh, 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 Jesus Christ, who is our Lord, has already blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. But when you have this mentality that God doesn't love you enough, you will bombard the gates of heaven to try and force an old grumpy God to bless you. But when you catch the revelation that God loves me, me, unconditionally, and God wants me to prosper, God wants me to have divine health, God wants me to live a life full of joy and victory. When you catch that revelation, your faith begins to work, watch this, easily. Because you won't need to convince God. You will just go into the prayer room and thank Him for what He has already done. The only time you will fight is when you are fighting against the devil. And you don't even need to fight that much because Jesus has defeated Him already. All you need to do is to put Him in His place. Did you know that in the kingdom we are like police agents? Enforcing the law. What law? The law of grace. What's the law of grace? The law of grace says I have all unmerited favor from God. And if anything that does not look like unmerited favor invades my home, me as a kingdom police officer, I have the right to tell it what to do. Handcuff it and kick it out of my house. That's all I'm doing. Enforcing the victory that Jesus has already won. Amen? Amen. I said amen. Let's go now to uh, Ephesians chapter number 2 from verse 8. So faith works by love. Amen? Romans chapter number 5 verse 8 says, But God demonstrates His own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So God loves you. Amen? Settle it in your heart. That God loves In fact, shout it out. God loves me. God loves me. Regardless, Regardless. of what I have done. Or not, done. or not done. God still loves me. God still loves me. 
shout this aloud. God wants me blessed. God wants me blessed. More than I want to be blessed. More than I want to be blessed. God wants me healed. More than I want to be healed. So you're not fighting against God. You know, the church has a tendency to, you know, ah, God, please send your revival. Please, 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 God, now we know you. You're holding this thing back. Lord, ah, please, please, now it's time. We are crying, oh Lord. I mean, God is sitting in heaven thinking, I've already released revival. You take it by faith. You access the grace of revival by faith. In fact, you know how revival comes? It usually comes through one man who decides, hey, I'm tired. Tired of this nonsense. That's how revival comes. I'm tired of being poor. I'm tired of being broke. I'm going to access this grace of prosperity. I'm going to do whatever the Bible says around it, and I'm going to get it. I'm tired of the church being dry. Who was that? William Seymour says, I'm tired of the church being dry. Man, I want to see the Holy Ghost fire in the church again. And he started studying God's word around, you know, the Holy Spirit and the speaking of tongues and so on and so forth. And when he pressed into that grace by faith, it gave itself back to him. Good measure. Pressed down, shaken together and running over. And there was a revival. Not because God responded, but because God had already placed a revival in the earth. And the one man pressed into it. God is not stuck. You know, people say, I want to pray prayers that move God. God is already moved by grace. Did you know that? God is already moved by In fact, the Bible says he looked on the side and there was no one uh, uh, who he could swear by. He looked on the left side, no one he could swear by. And he decided to swear by himself. And when he wanted to have a covenant with you and me, he swore by himself. You know why? Because any agreement between two parties is as strong as the weakest link. If you and I had been a part of the original agreement, as weak as we are, it would have been a weak agreement. So God made a covenant by himself. And it's not going to change. All we have to do is to press into that grace. We have to take steps of faith into what God has already provided for us. Amen? I said amen. Amen. Let's go now to Ephesians chapter number 2 from verse 8 as we close. Ephesians chapter number 2 verse 8. Verse 8 and 9. I want to talk about works. See, a lot of grace teachers uh, also don't understand the book of James around the area of works. Because James seems to say, you know what? You have to have works. And Paul seems to say, you know what? You don't need works. Are they talking about the same thing? Are they contradicting? What's going on? Let's check it out. Ephesians chapter number 2 from verse 8 to 9. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Next verse. Not of what? Not of what? Not of works, lest any man should boast. Let's go to James chapter number 2 verse 14. James chapter number 2, verse 14. What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and there's no what? Works. I didn't hear that. Works. He has no works. So James is saying, man, what is it going to profit you to say you have faith but you have no works? And here Paul is saying, man, it is by grace, not of works. 
So what's up? Which is which? They're talking about two totally different works. Paul is talking about the works of trying to seek approval from God through that which you do. Amen? They are called works of the law. You're trying to do all these things so that God can in turn bless you or so that God can in turn, you know, uh, uh, approve of you. And he's saying it doesn't work like that. Here's how it works. If If you have faith in what God has already done, if you have faith in that God has already blessed you, in that God has already healed you, then there has to be some corresponding action. Because talk is cheap, right? So they are talking about two different things. These are works of the law. These are works of faith. Works of faith say God has already blessed me. And because of that, I have no limit and I can give. Works of the law say, man, I need to give so that God may be happy with me. You see how different they are? And watch what he then says. Uh, Though a man may say he has faith and has not works... Can faith save him? Next verse. If a brother or a sister be naked and destitute of daily food. Next verse. And one of you say unto them, Depart in peace. Be warmed and filled. Notwithstanding, you give them not those things which are needful to the body. What does it In other words, if you say, I'm blessed, I'm the head and not the tail, and you don't respond like the head and not the tail, like the blessed one, when people that have need come to you, you is be lying. (laughs) And that faith is not going to produce anything for you. Amen? Amen? How many children of God do I have in the house? When a sick person comes to you, what do you say? Go to the doctor? No. The Bible says we shall lay hands on the sick and they In other words, your faith in that must have corresponding action. The first thing I tell people when they come to me with sickness is, let me lay hands on you. Not, uh, I know this doctor, ah, this doctor... <laughs> This doctor is a good doctor. Or if people come to me and they have a, a, a money problem that I can fix, I don't send them to the uh, loan office. No, I, I take care of that. Amen? He's saying, man, if a man comes to you and they are naked, they just all they want is a jacket. And you are a faith person. And you're saying, man, go in peace. I'm going to pray for you that you get a jacket. He's saying that faith doesn't profit you. Did you see that? He didn't say that faith doesn't profit the person who needs a jacket. Did you see that? Did you see that? He says it doesn't profit you anyway. You with the one with the jacket. Because you're not acting it out. Next verse. Man, we need to close this thing. And uh, even so, faith, if it has no works, is what? D-E-A-D. They say a a live dog is better than a dead lion. (laughs) Say it's dead, man. That faith is dead. You are as good as a person who does not have faith. 
Man, you have to act, act your faith out. Amen? Next verse. Yeah, a man may say, thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me your faith without your works. Or in other words, show me your faith without corresponding action. Faith without corresponding action. How many possess the abundance of God in their lives? Then there has to be a corresponding action in your communication. Do you talk like you possess the abundance of God? Or when people say, ah, it's tight. Yeah, things are tight. And you also join in, hey, things are tight. You know why? Your words are selling you out. There was a guy yesterday, uh, Henry, you know, sent me this video. This one guy yesterday, he won the soccer uh, uh, player of the game. Player of the game. And he came out and he said, man, I want to thank my wife. And I also want to thank my girlfriend. And he was like, oops, uh, no, not my girlfriend. I'm sorry. I just want to thank my wife. Only. You know why? Because <laughs> out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. In other words, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will expose you. You know why? Because faith is released in two ways. By action and by talk. It was like our reverse, you know, don't, it was live on air. We can't edit it. It's done. He said, sorry, my wife. You should have seen him. He didn't know where that came from. Amen. Just like people who, who confess poverty. Sometimes you say it and you don't know where it came from, but the reality of the matter is that's what's full in your heart. Remember Luke 6, 45? A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth that which is good. An evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth that which is evil. And from the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. It's automatic. Whatever you put in your heart in large enough quantities will find its way in your mouth when you least expect it. Amen? Next verse. Ah, uh, go back, go back to James. Man, he's following me everywhere. <laughs> James, what verse were we on? James 2, what verse were we on? I think we were on verse 17. Okay, let's go to verse 18. James 2, verse 18. Yea, a man may say, thou hast faith. And I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I'll show you my faith by my works or my corresponding action. Next verse. Thou believest that there is one God. How many believe that there is one God? Look what he says. He says you do well. That's not how it sounds. That's not how he, he wrote it. He's being sarcastic. He said, how many believe there is one God? And everybody said, yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. You think you have a standard, right? And watch what he says next, right after that. You do well, the devils also believe. And they even do more. <laughs> so you thought believing alone was good, right? He's saying without corresponding action, you are just at the level of, uh, even below, a little bit below <laughs> the level of devils. Did you see that? Next verse. <laughs> but will you know, O vain man, that faith without works or corresponding action is dead? Next verse. 
Was not Abraham our father justified by works? In other words, he was justified by corresponding actions. He said, I believed in God and I believe his word. And when God told him to kill his son, he didn't say, wait a minute, Lord. What are you talking about? He took him up the mountain and as he was about to, God said, I, now I know. I mean, he fully uh, committed to acting every single one of God's word. Amen? When he had offered Isaac up his son upon the altar. Next verse. Seest thou how faith wrought with his works? And by works was faith made perfect. In other words, your faith is made complete by works. Or corresponding action. Amen? Amen. The only time your faith is complete is when you step out of the boat and actually walk on water. Everybody sitting in the boat, Jesus says, do you believe you can walk on water? Yeah, we can walk on water. Yeah, Come. <laughs> right? Come. Who's coming out? That's what separates those that have faith or believe with corresponding action. Next verse. And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God and it was imputed unto him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. Next verse. You see then how that by works or corresponding action, a man is justified and not by faith alone. In other words, not just by believing in your heart. You have to act it out. Next verse. Likewise also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works or by corresponding action when she had received the messengers and had sent them out another way. Next verse. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without corresponding action, without works, is dead also. So just saying you believe is not going to cut it. I went to this church, I was preaching the one time and they had asked me to teach on prosperity. And I went in there and I said, man, uh, if I gave a million dollars to every one of you in here, how many, how many of you would tithe in here? And everybody lifted up their hands and said, Pastor, I'm going to tithe off of that one million. Uh, without a doubt, I am tithing mm. off of that one million. Mm. And then God said, ask them if they are tithing right now, because if they are not, they ain't going to be tithing on the one million. Because if they are not faithful with the least, they are also not going to be faithful with much. And if they are faithful with the least, they are also going to be faithful with much. And I said, man, Jesus, your Lord, the one that you call master, said in his word, if you are not faithful with the least, you won't be faithful with much. And if you are not going to be faithful, he is not going to give you more stuff. You know why? Because then you become more accountable. It's like a student who goes to school and never does their homework, and the teacher keeps giving them more homework. They're just going to have a shortfall, right? God doesn't want you to be more accountable. So if you are not tithing, if you haven't mastered numbers from zero to nine, forget calculus. Pastor, I want to be an actuary. Can you count from zero up to nine? No, not yet. Then you can't be an actuary. You can't get into calculus. Hallelujah. If you haven't mastered the alphabet, 
from A to Z. But I want to get into literature. I want to write books. That's not how it works in the kingdom. Amen? Amen. Why don't you stand on your feet? Thank you, Jesus. If you are not faithful, if he is not faithful as a boyfriend, don't promote him to husband. Can I get an amen? That pastor, you know, I can change him once we've crossed that line. We'll be praying for you. Amen? We'll be pr- every week we'll be praying for you and counseling you and we don't have that time. Let's just cut to the chase. If that brother is not faithful, if he's beating you now as a boyfriend and girlfriend, that has gone way too far already. D-U-M-P space H-I-M. Dump him. Well, we love you. God bless you. And remember these words from 2 Corinthians 5 verse 7. For we walk by faith and not by sight. We love you. God bless you.